Welcome to the Marketing Foundations podcast, hosted by Dr. Sandy Luck, professor of marketing at the University of North Dakota, entrepreneur, owner of Bully Brew Coffee, and proud bulldog mama. I'm your co-host, Brad Schmidt, and we're both very glad you're joining us as Dr. Luck endeavors to expand your understanding of the basic concepts, ideas, and application of marketing in an ever-changing marketplace. So be ready to listen fast, because as always, there's a lot to talk about in today's episode. Welcome back. It's product this week. I'm yeah. Brad Schmidt. That's uh, Dr. Sandy Luck. She's here, uh, as always. The kind of the you're kind of the the brains of the operation, and and I just get to ask fun questions about uh, <laughs> about marketing stuff. I, I've been having a great time with this, Sandy, and and uh, once again, here we are talking about marketing. Thank you. First How, of all, I'm going to go back. Let's go back to the brains and the questions because sometimes. <laughs> So <laughs> sometimes I feel like you're teaching me a lot. So this is good. I hope we're teaching a lot of people a lot of things, both of us. It really so. has been a great time. I've really enjoyed this. And, and we've got a great episode next week as well, talking yes. about service that we're going to get into as well. And just um, it really has been a great time. And I have learned a lot. And of course, it's always good to have somebody with a Ph.D. in a field of specialty that can can essentially give you a free class on what we're talking about. So. Yeah. And I think for me, what has been cool is I've taught this class class for so many years that having someone else bring up different examples has been oh. enlightening to me because it's like, oh yeah, that's a really cool example. A little bit of, of a different perspective. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you. It's been good. So we're this week we're going to talk about product. We and, are. and you actually teased this last week uh, in the buyer in the buyer uh, buyer behavior discussion. And you were showing me this thing about the the product life cycle, which we're going to get to. But first, there's other stuff we have to talk about because when we start talking about a product, right. we have to kind of know what the product is. So we talk do. about the attributes and how that matters in marketing. Right. Well, first, before I do that, let's talk about the word product because okay. product can be tangible or intangible. Okay. It can so be an item or it, it can be a or feeling it can be a, yeah, or, or an no, experience. It can be a service, right? Oh, so service. which we're going to talk about which, next, next week. Next week, yeah. So uh, there is a product which is tangible. So that could be any product that you purchase at the grocery store. A service could be, you know, maybe you're getting um, your oil changed. That would be a service. But it also can be an idea. And in class, the students worked on this already. And I will tell you that the most difficult process is to think about how an idea can be, you know, some kind of a product. But they use the example of don't drink and drive. So that statement itself, because that's what a lot of prevention, you know, prevention managers, or if you're in the health prevention field, you are teaching people don't drink and drive or don't text and drive. So that's a product itself, which is really hard and sometimes difficult to understand how that can be it. It seems to me that ideas have got to be the hardest thing to sell. Yeah. Well, because it goes back to belief. So Mm. do you believe that that idea is good or bad? And you could talk yourself out of it, or if that person doesn't sell that idea well, you're not going to believe in it. And think, I gave the students some examples long ago, don't drink and drive was not one of the most favorite topic areas, right? Maybe in the, I don't know, do I, am I going to date myself in the 90s? Mm. <laughs> you know, I remember Buckle Up. The, oh, you know, okay. as a kid, that was a you know yeah. buckle up, get your seatbelts on, yeah. all that kind Another of stuff. One. That was a big thing. And there, speaking of how to market an idea, I remember there was a commercial. I think it was out of Finland, but it didn't matter. You didn't have to speak Finnish. There was no no 
language at all in the commercial. It was a guy sitting in a chair, just a man looked like he was a, you know, a businessman or something wearing a uh, suit and tie and he's sitting in a chair, what appeared to be in a car, but it wasn't, you had to kind of use your imagination. There was no car. He's just sitting there in a seat and his wife and his daughter are standing beside him. And he's, you get, you know, he's kind of miming that he's driving the car down the road. And suddenly you see the look on his face change. It looks like he's going to be getting in a crash or something like that. And there's no seatbelt. But the daughter reaches across from her, her left side with her hand. And the mom reaches across from the other side over the father's shoulder. And they clasp hands. Wow. And, of course, then you see the slow motion crash of his arms going forward and, and all of the violence of a crash. But the mother and daughter holding hands holds him in the chair and then everything stops and you see the look of relief on his face and he seems to be okay and all this. And it was such a powerfully emotional thing, but it wasn't a product. They were selling the idea of, Hey, wear your seatbelt seat because your wife and your daughter are counting on you to come home. Yeah. And it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that just, I just literally just remembered that because he talked about selling an idea. Yeah. And think about that. Think how powerful that marketer was in your life. Yeah. I still that remember you, that 20 years ago. Right. And you probably started wearing your seatbelt because you said, this makes sense. Yeah. And at the time I had a brand new wife and a brand new daughter. Right. So, you know, and let's go back to the belief and not belief. You believed that because of your circumstances where I still think about my 85 year old dad who gets upset that he has to put a seatbelt on. Why is that? Because and if when I don't, I'm going to get a ticket. Yes, but for him, when he was young, none of them had seatbelts. Yeah, the cars didn't even have seatbelts. So he was saying, you know what? I lived the whole time and I didn't die. I never got in a crash. I was fine. Why did I have to? Why do I have to wear a seatbelt now compared to then? And of course, you know, I try to have the conversation of logic to explain to him. Well, we drive faster. There's heavier cars. All those good things, right? But again, it doesn't have anything to do really about the logic. It's his belief. So an idea is sometimes difficult because it goes back to that person's, what they were raised raised around, maybe their belief systems, maybe what their parents believed. So I think ideas are difficult. Mm. So there's each, each product has the attributes and the characteristics of the things, that, whether it is, like say, a seatbelt, an idea has a, has a, a set of characteristics that we're trying to sell. Right. We're trying to sell safety. We're trying to sell uh, care for your fellow person, responsibility, all of those things, right? So products in general, whether it's an item, a tangible thing, they all have the characteristics, right? The the color, the shape, the, the size, all of that. Um, service. I mean, attributes, how do you... I yeah, mean, so a service might be how it's done. So... When I think about, you know, a waiter or a waitress, the time, the time it takes them to come mm. to my table. Um, the attitude. All yeah, of those. the attitude and how they treat me. Do they remember my order? You mm. know, you have some really good servers who can walk up to you. always amazing. Oh, my gosh, no, me too. No notebook. They write it down and they never get it wrong. Yeah. yeah. And then there's others. Right. Who will not write it even, down. <laughs> even with the notebook, they write it down. They still screw it up. <laughs> yeah. So bless those hearts. But you know, bless think their hearts. That's a southern thing. <laughs> so think about that. You know, I mean, there is there's characteristics or there's attributes. Well, and then we go to what are the benefits. Mm. So before we yeah. started talking about 
Ray-Bans. Ray-Bans. Sunglasses. Right? Yep. Okay, so I'll, I'll quiz you. Now let's okay. talk about this. What are the attributes of the Ray-Ban sunglasses? Well, the you know, the, the higher-end ones are going to be polarized. They're going to be more comfortable. They're going to fit your face better. They're, they're, um, they're, they look cool. You know, I, yeah. I joke that uh, you want to have you you hope your Ray Bans have mirrors on the inside so you can see how cool you look. Yeah, but those are the benefits, right? right? That's not so. Think attributes, think characteristics of the product, so the features of the product. The cool part is the benefit, right? Gotcha. Right? I see. <laughs> that's the emotion. Yeah. That's where I'm like, that's why I want the Ray Bans. Not the really durability. Be- the the yeah. comfort, the size, and all of that. That's the the actual attributes. Sometimes in a product, I think we expect things as customers or as consumers. We expect it to be comfortable. We expect it to have, you know, polarized lenses. I mean, that's not even something that we want to think about. But think about when you go in and you try sunglasses on. You probably want to make sure that it is, it fits you right. But does it make you look cool? Right. Yeah, yeah, it makes and 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 Ray Bans. It seems like Ray Bans or Oakleys. Mm-hmm. If you're not wearing those, you're or you know Gucci or whatever. But you're just a dork wearing cheap sunglasses <laughs> from the gas station, or right? you lose them every other day, <laughs> so you have to wear the cheap glasses. <laughs> so that that brings us to life cycle. Ray Bans have been yes. around a long time. Oakleys have been around a long time. A lot of these progr- products have been around a long time, um, but. We didn't get to a point where you're only cool if you're wearing Ray-Bans or Oakleys overnight. That took a lot of time to get there, and that's part of the product life cycle, correct? Right. So product life cycle, my example is saying it's just like us as humans. It's birth to death. Mm. So at birth, it's an introduction to the product. And this is where the product is created or developed, and it's brand new. There's no other competitors out there. You know, I think right now in Grand Forks, specifically in Grand Forks, there are so many entrepreneurs that have created new apps or developing Mm. something new online. And some of us can't even understand what it is that they're trying to make happen. But they've got the idea because they've watched the trends. They know what's going to happen in the future or what the needs are of that particular generation. And so they're introducing something and they're educating us on it, which is what we want to do when we first introduce a product. Then we get to the growth, which is the increase in sales. Sometimes it's quick. Like I think of some of these apps that are out there, they grow very, very quickly. And sometimes they even die very quickly because then people try them. They're like, "Mm, no, I don't need that. So it goes introduction, growth, maturity, which maturity is where it usually sits for a while. It picks up its market share. It's right. kind of established itself as a as a product or, yep. or an item that yep. you... And everybody kind of has it. Yeah. You have to remind them as a marketer, you need to remember to go purchase this. Remember to go get yeah. another one. Or when you purchase, make sure you purchase our brand. Right. Because everybody's going to have one of these, so right, we want you to have our b- version of it. Yes, there's lots of different competitors out there. And then suddenly it goes to decline or death. And at that point, that's when the the product or whoever is creating the product or the company or business, they can come back around and say, okay, we know that this is not going to last. So what can we do to create something new about this product? How can we enhance it or add features to it that then it goes back to the introduction? Because then we got to inter- introduce it. We got to educate people again about this particular product. So then we can continue to see the growth and maturity again. 
I think of the I think of the the life cycle of an, of of cars, right? I mean, you you have the introduction of a new model of car. I remember when the whether it was the you know the Chevy Volt that came out, or whether it was the 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 you know the the Buick Enclave, which was a, a new version of whatever car. Um, and and then so you have that introduction. Here's this all new version of of a car. Yeah, Buick's been around, but we've never built a car like this before. Yes, Chevrolet's been around, but we've never built a car like this before. And they're talking about it, and they're explaining all of the cool new features. It's got a turbo engine, or it's an electric engine, or whatever. And then you get that growth where wow, that's a really cool car. A bunch of people go out and buy them, and they're all over the place. And then the maturity is where. Hey, this is our number one selling car. We've been selling the Buick Enclave for ten years or five years or whatever, but then the decline and and this is the part that I guess I'm not sure about and I want to get your thought on is so then along comes I think of the Camaro right the mm-hmm. Camaro was invented or it was introduced in 1968 I believe it was the first year the Camaro came out. Then they quit building them in like 2005 2006 somewhere around there. And now they've reintroduced the Camaro back, I think it was 2019 when they reintroduced the Camaro. And it looks very similar to the original. You get, you definitely know that's a Camaro. It's nostalgic. But they look fantastic. But it's the all new, you know, next generation Camaro. Is is there a time when that, that death or the decline portion of the life cycle of a product kind of becomes more of a recycle? Absolutely. To, it's to reborn. a new version or a new model. Yeah. The all new Chevy Silverado. Well, this, they've been making the Chevy Silverado for 50 years. Yeah. What a great marketing strategy though, right? Oh yeah. Because I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's rebirthing that product because they probably had a lot of people who liked it and said, this is a great product. If this only- This is our flagship. Yeah. Yeah. If only I could do this and this with this product. And that's sometimes, I used to teach entrepreneurship class. And one of the ways to get people to brainstorm and think about a product would be sit down with a piece of paper and write all of the times that you say, what if this and this would happen? Mm. Or what if I could make this happen? And sometimes that's how we create or develop, whether it's a new product or a new service, because we're just trying to, we want something that could make it easier, right? If there was... A phone, I used to say this all the time, and I, I don't even know if this happens yet, but everybody knows I don't like emails all the time. Emails drive me crazy, <laughs> and there's so many. But the problem with the text message for me is that I cannot, and I think you can do this, so I'm maybe now <laughs> showing that my technology skills are bad, but you cannot like flag that text because mm. I'll read the text and it, I'll get, you know, 20 more texts. Well, that text, I know I need to do lost. something with it. Yeah. But I want to flag it. I want to, and I think you pin it to the top, but if I pinned it to the top, I'd have a ton of them pinned to the top and then it would be not worthwhile. Yeah. You need Telegram. Oh yeah. You told me that. You need Telegram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That has to be a conversation we have <laughs> soon. Yes. But I, I just think about, you know, there are so many things that if I could make this product do this or add this, it would even be better. And that's really goes back to a product that it probably has matured and needs to be reborn. I'll go back to the introduction. And it might add a feature. Probably it already has benefits, 
Yeah. Because there's a reason why we, we buy Ray-Bans or why we have cell phones or we buy those particular cars. We talked about the gas cars. and Oh, yeah, gas cars. Let's talk about that. That cars. was really cool. Yeah. So, so this is this is a perfect example of, of not just a, a particular product, but it, it, from what I'm understanding you're talking about with this life cycle, the entire industry is, is going through this. So cars were invented. Actually, everybody thinks, oh, Henry Ford invented the car. No, he didn't. He invented the production line. Um, the car, the first what we would consider a car, was actually invented by Mercedes Benz, like in 1886. It was a it was a a, a, a little diesel one cylinder diesel engine Mercedes, right? Okay, I'm sorry to all of those marketing students in the past that I have taught you that Henry Ford created the car because I'm pretty sure I've told them all that. <laughs> Henry Ford, what Henry Ford did was he invented the assembly line. Yes. is what he did. He didn't invent the car, um, but so we, I mean, but Ford introduced the car to the United States market in 1903. Um, along comes along comes Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, Pontiac, uh, Mercury, Lincoln. They're all and at one point, many of them were different companies. And then Ford, Lincoln, and Mercury kind of all became one. Uh, Chevrolet, Buick, Oldsmobile, Cadillac, and all of those they kind of became GM. And they all became one, and and all of that. But they we've gotten to a point where we saw this huge growth, and the the horse and buggy kind of went away. And now everybody we're in or we were. In the maturity stage where everybody had a car, you just kind of have to have a car to get around and all of that kind of stuff. But we really are kind of seeing this decline in gasoline, internal combustion engine based cars with the advent of Tesla Rivian and so many of these other Chevrolet is even, you know, GM is the Chevy Volt, Toyota with the Prius and all of these different kinds of electric cars. And we're kind of witnessing, many of us in our lifetime will witness the death of the gas-powered internal combustion engine-based car. And there's this guy out there named John B. Goodenough. And I know that sounds like a silly name, but that is his real name. He is an actual material scientist, um, works for the University of Texas. And he has won the Nobel Prize in, in material chemistry because he's the guy that invented the lithium ion battery. So every rechargeable everything that you have, the from your smartwatch to your cell phone to your laptop to to your um rechargeable cell phone or uh, uh alarm clock or whatever like if it's got a rechargeable battery in it very likely it's a lithium ion battery and it's because it exists because of this guy. And this guy's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. 99 years old, still working. 99 years old. And not a millionaire. And Bo- not billionaire. A, no, no, because he's he's basically always given his technology away. He's like, here, I've developed this and, and I'm sure he's probably made some money off of it. And, I hope so. And, and he's had a great career, obviously, in education. He's worked in the 80s back in, like in the UK, he was a professor in the UK back in the 80s. Um, but he has also invented RAM memory on your computers, random access memory. So your phone, again, your laptop, your, your smartphones, everything that has random access memory, he invented it. Like this is the guy. And so he has recently been working on with one of his assistants, what they're calling the glass battery or solid state battery or whatever. And it's a battery technology that could very well, if it does what he claims it does, and everybody is saying, yeah, if John says it's going to do it, it's going to do it because this guy's invented memory and 
lithium-ion batteries. He knows what he's yeah, talking he knows about. What he's doing, right? So he's invented this thing and is working on this technology that if if it does what it says it does, Teslas and the Chevy Volts and the Rivian uh, electric pickups and all that, they'll have ranges of not 250 or 300 miles, but a thousand miles. And instead of taking six to eight hours to charge overnight in your garage, that you can recharge them super quick, 15 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, like pull up to the charging station, like you're filling gas, run inside and get a, a, a Coke and a candy bar and come out and your car's got a full charge and you can go another thousand miles. Like the insanity of this possible technology is, is so overwhelming. And not only that, it's incredibly inexpensive. Because instead of using hard to mine and hard to access materials like lithium and all of those, they're they basically built basically built out of sodium chloride, which is salt, which you can get out of wow. water in the ocean. It's incredibly abundant and incredibly cheap to produce and all of this stuff. And so if that comes to fruition, which there's Toyota's just purchased a huge factory and are trying to retool to make these kind of batteries. There's a company up in Canada that's working on it. And so if that comes to fruition, a Tesla goes from a hundred thousand dollar luxury car that that the average Joe can't really that's afford. That's a want. That's a want. It now becomes accessible to the regular Joe who's buying a thirty thousand or forty thousand dollar car anyway. Right, and they need the car. Yep, and mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about all the things like we do now. Like I live in North Dakota. If I get caught in the wintertime with no battery power, I freeze to death. Right, like that's not an acceptable risk that I'm willing to take. But now my ba- my battery lasts for two weeks before I need to charge it up as opposed to every night. And now I'm not so scared to have it go a couple of days without charging. And so that really could be the death of an entire industry Absolutely. of internal combustion engines. Well, as we talked before, I don't know that it'll be no. Totally there's the always death. going to be the, the there's always going to be the hot rodders. There's always going to be the guys that want it, that good old fashioned sound of an engine. But right. yeah. But it could cause, and you talk a lot about politics, yep. and I'm not going to get into that, yeah. <laughs> but it could cause political issues with yeah. that. Oh, because yeah, absolutely. Because at yep. that point, those people you know, who do want that gas-powered car are going to be the ones that- you Won't know, be able to get it. Absolutely. And people yeah. are going to think negatively of them, yeah. right? Because that's what they still want. And here's here's the one thing that I'll say about like say It's not ever going to go away because people said, oh, you know- what are we going to do when with horses and buggies? All these all these uh, blacksmiths are going to be out of a job. Well, guess what? It's 2021, and there's still people that do blacksmithing. I know a couple of guys that do good old-fashioned heat it up in a fire and bang on some red-hot steel and make a horseshoe. Like, those right. people still exist. They're just really rare. Right. And people learn different skills. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great example of the PLC because those that battery, when it is introduced— they're going to have to educate all of us about yep. it. They're going to have to convince us that's the right idea. And what well, you've already convinced me. So yeah. now I'm going to go find my $30,000 Tesla. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and I'm and I and I've said, you know, somewhat jokingly on my radio show like if this if this became a thing, I'd go out and convert my Honda Ridgeline to right. an electric motor today. Right. You know, if I can get a thousand miles range out of a charge, I mean, if that if that actually happens and I mean, we'll see, it, it, you know, they they oftentimes oversell and, and under deliver. But John Goodenough is a guy that has consistently undersold and over delivered in and his, his technology has literally changed the entire world. Wow. So, so 
Number one, think about he's what ninety nine years old. Ninety nine years old, and he's still working. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Uh, that is amazing. And then to ha- how cool to have a last name is good enough. I know John. Yeah, John Man. B. Good enough is yeah. his actual name. Yeah, like I yeah. am Mister Good Enough. <laughs> he, really, go Google this guy. He's his. I'm excited. He's yeah. an incredible story. Yeah, I'm so, going to. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, that's so that's the that's the product life cycle, right? That's and and so then to always come back to the question, what does this mean for the professional market? So for the marketer, we need to understand how we're going to market these products. So depending on if you are marketing the Ray-Bans or if you're marketing the Tesla, you know, or the new battery, how do you market it? How do you promote it? So again, if I'm introducing, I have to educate people because people are not going to be bought into something. You have to teach them about it. You have to convince them of it. And especially if it's brand new, they're, they're not going to be right away sold because of a a shiny new product. They want to understand it a little bit, especially this generation right now. And so I think then the next step is in the growth, you know, when you're in the growth phase, you need to be continuing knowing that there's going to be more competitors coming. So you might have to talk a little bit more about the benefits. The benefits of wearing these Ray-Bans Man, I feel so cool, right? I feel so much cooler in these Ray-Bans than my $10 sunglasses from Target. But again, that's how you're going to promote it rather than educating me. At at this point, I've already bought them and I know that they make me feel cool. And then when it hits maturity and probably most important, decline. Understanding when is the decline? When is that death going to happen? When are you going to forecast it? Because if you can forecast the death of a product, that's also when you can forecast that rebirth or start you know, processing and saying, what can we do now Brainstorming to, for yes, what's next. to make things better? And again, I talk a lot about trends, but I think the trends that are happening as marketers, that is one of the most important things to pay attention to. Be that lifelong learner, go on podcasts like this, you know, but listen to other people. What are they mm. talking about? Check out Mr. You know, Good Enough. I mean, go on and understand what's happening in our future so that as the marketer, you can be the one who says, hey, this product is hitting close to maturity or decline. Let's be ready because it's not going to take a day or two. You're going to have to do some work to get it back to that introduction and, you know, rebirth that product and yeah. be able to talk people into, you know, d- purchasing it again. With I mean, think about the cell phones. Like, I don't know how many cell phones I have. I have a box of cell phones. Right. Yeah. Old ones. that have, Right. Yeah. And pro- they all probably still work. They probably do. They probably all have my text messages. That could be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you think about all of the different cell phones that we've had. Well, they've done this exact same product life cycle. They've went to decline because who wants a flip phone? Right. Or remember the chocolate? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Who wants that? I don't yep. want that anymore. My daughter was super, super excited way back when she got her first pink razor. Oh, cool. The Motorola razor. Super yeah. thin. And yeah, she was... But, you know, again, I, I think about how all of those things have allowed us in in our world of marketing to say everybody still needs a cell phone. This just like everybody still needs a car. But now we need to give you better features and benefits so that you understand why you have to buy the new one and pay six hundred more dollars for it. And and then getting the emotional buy in. Absolutely. Right? Because I don't buy it. I don't. I don't buy it. if I'm going to buy a Tesla. I'm not going to buy it because it's electric. This. I'm. I'm not, <laughs> not going to buy it because it has this cool new feature. I'm going to buy a Tesla because you know who drives Teslas? Cool people. Really cool people. Period. I know. Yeah. That's I, it. I hope that thirty thousand dollar Tesla comes out that you're talking yeah. about. I want. I kind of like the Rivian pickups, the new electric pickups. There's a company called Rivian. That's a fun one to watch. They raised and talk about marketing. 
they raised in finances and revenue. I just read somewhere in in nine days they raised two point eight billion dollars of capital revenue. Now I don't know how they did it, and I just saw the headline, so I don't know what the story is about. But yeah, in an incredibly short amount of time, they raised literally billions of dollars in capital. Well, and this again, goes back to what people are believing and what they're seeing and what they've seen for the forecast of what's going to happen in the future. How do I have to relate to, you know, what the world's like, what's happening in our world right now, and what I should be looking forward into the future? Yeah. Well, uh, Sandy, I think that pretty well covers uh, product and product life cycle and as it relates to marketing. Is there is there anything else that I'm missing that we need? No, that I we, hope they learned as much as I did. I First of all, I'm excited to go Find out about John Goodenough. Yeah, 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 I'm totally going online after this. And then, like I said, I'm going to go searching for my Tesla. Yeah, so. I want to, I, like say, I would love, what excites me about electric cars, this is completely unrelated to marketing, but what excites me about electric cars is the performance that you can get out of an electric motor as compo- as compared to a, an, a, an internal combustion one. And when th- I think when they can start selling it that way, as opposed to you're saving the planet, then all of us old hot rodders are oh. going to get on board. See, and that's so funny because we're on opposite sides, yeah. right? I have no idea what you're talking about with right. all of those cars. But I'm on the side of, number one, I want to look cool. Yep. Number two, I kind of like the thousand miles because I, I, I hate getting gas. Gosh, right. I hate. Yep. Like I am Hand that person. Stinking, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. I'm that person that it is, okay, there's about 15 miles left to go. <laughs> my wife oftentimes will come home and go, will you go fill my car with gas? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I will. <laughs> and is there like 15 miles left for you to drive? Yeah, I know. I think that's a woman thing. I'm not sure. Yeah, but all right, uh, Sandy. I guess we'll uh, we'll see you next week. We'll talk about service. Yes. And then in a and we have weeks. a guest speaker oh, next we week. Have a guest week. Yeah, we do. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth so, Elvin yeah, from. So. Uh, she's actually another colleague of mine at the University of North Dakota. Teaches the general business class and she was a general manager at a red lobster down in new mexico cool quite some time ago but has lots of great experiences well i'm looking forward to that conversation as well and we'll uh, we'll see you next week okay